Trey, how disappointed are you that the Virginia Tech Hokies could not pull off the victory last night at home against Duke and they missed a chance to bolster their solid but maybe not good enough NCAA tournament resume? I'm fine. Duke shot probably over expectation, from especially from deep, so it, it happens. So you're aware of it, you're fine with it, and the question now becomes... Do you agree with this comment from Mike Young when he spoke on the Virginia Tech Radio Network, as you hear every game on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, after the game, basically saying Duke was the better team? Some nights uh, they uh, they play a little bit better than you do, and uh, that was uh, that was the case in here. Duke was good. Um, they were good. They did a nice job uh, disrupting us offensively, and um, we had some shots now. Uh, we had some uh, we had some cracks on them. Uh, didn't rebound nearly as well as uh, we have to rebound. Um, their length, speed, and quickness uh, hurt us in the backcourt a little bit. We didn't handle and this team has become a very good uh, Virginia Tech ball screen coverage team. Uh, and they, uh, they, they got us a little bit. They did. They got Virginia Tech quite a bit. And I'm not ready to say that I've seen enough out of Duke to believe this team is ready to make a run to the Final Four. I mean, everybody's known the pieces and the ingredients are there. They were one of the preseason projected favorites to make a tournament run along with Purdue to bounce back. Called me skeptical of Big Ten teams, particularly a team that I thought got beaten in the first round last year because they're not as athletic as maybe the basketball diehards tend to to believe them to be. And who knows? It'd be a great story if Purdue uh, comes back and does what UVA did, which is make a deep tournament run, uh, much like UVA did winning the national title the year after becoming the first number one seed to lose to a 16. But there's Arizona, ironically, with Caleb Love, the former North Carolina guard, who uh, it has been a win-win, despite the uh, kind of br- the, the the gruff reply from Seth Greenberg when he was in the fast lane about 10 days ago. Check it out, Fast Lane, Ed Lane, where you listen to podcasts to uh, hear those thoughts. But there's UConn, which looks dominant. North Carolina, they look very complete. And Duke, everyone knows, has the talent, kind of like Kentucky. Although I think Duke's got more returning pieces than Kentucky, but they have yet to prove it on the same level Kentucky has done this year. But they're in, they're both in a similar boat, where nobody's shocked if they make a tournament run, but the youth is a real concern. But the danger is, yes, when Duke is playing at their best, they are a better team than the Virginia Tech Hokies are. And last night, Duke looked locked in. Jeremy Roach was fantastic for Duke, leading the way for them and really helping to key that entire attack for the Blue Devils. 16 points off the bench, but he played 30 minutes. He was in the lineup plenty and really guarding things, fostering the offense, I meant to say, in place of Caleb Foster. But, you know, it's kind of manufacturing a bench. But Kyle Filipowski was efficient. He only had 14 points. Doesn't look like a lot on the stat sheet, but, I mean, Duke was 6 of 9. Only shot one three. You know, this is a Duke team that looked really good. I know Jared McCain was off, but you know, Filipowski's a second year. Roach, he's been there more than that. So you've got a Duke team with a lot of pieces in place, and when they're at their best, they don't they, they got what Virginia Tech does not have. And that is raw natural talent, the ability to score, and frankly, Mike Young, you know, was willing to double down on that part too. Let's let's be honest, guys. It's not not an excuse. Filipowski's a, a load, uh, and those uh, those kids in the backcourt are uh, are darn good players. Um, Zach, I told him there will be better days ahead. Uh, we took a, le- a legitimate step forward as a team. 
uh, as a program, as, as a unit here over the last however long we've been home. Um, not ideal, uh, but uh, again, better days ahead. I feel great about our team. We're going to be in good shape around here. You know, here's the thing. It's it's Mike Young speaking on the Virginia Tech Radio Network as you hear every Hokie game on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. By the way, keep it locked to CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg, the Facebook page, as we regularly post our lineup of other games that we carry there also. But Mike Young's not wrong. Trey, we, we discussed this last week. Virginia Tech entering last Tuesday night. They were 3-4 and four in the ACC. And you know, they were in a good spot entering that game. But you thought if they could beat BC at home, they could beat Georgia Tech at home, and they could beat Duke, you go 6-3. and three, Or 6-4. and four. But realistically, 5-5 five and five was more feasible. Now, this was a missed opportunity for Virginia Tech, and one where, ultimately on the resume, a win against Duke, even though you can doubt you know, whether... They're as complete as they could be. They're still 16-4, and 7-2 and two in the ACC, and they're still a top 15 caliber team right now. It's a quad one win. It looks good on Selection Sunday, and there's all the reason to believe that it's going to continue to age very well. But, Trey, we discussed this last week. If you're a Virginia Tech fan and you said, hey, you get through this stretch at 5-5, five and five, you'll take it given how they started ACC play as sluggish as they did, and they've got their obvious issues, including the ability to create their own offense. Yeah, I said to David on the phone before he went on the air last week is if they split David who? Cunningham. TechSideline.com. Yeah. Friend of ours. I mean, if you listen yesterday, we have one David on. We have one David regularly on. Yeah. Well, I mean, David Teal comes on, but he doesn't come on weekly. Yeah, but I said yesterday, and there was one David. Okay, okay, I gotcha. Okay. Um, the, I just said if they split this week, which I think they can win at Miami, that's a, no, that's a Q1 win. Um, they should feel really good about themselves. I mean, also, Duke is such a good program where it would have been, it would have been like, what, five straight against Duke at home? Yes. And that's just, and Duke's such a good program where that's kind of hard to, I don't want to say keep up, but like, given the talent that Duke has had historically, it is hard to keep up. And Tech hung in that game. I mean, these shot... 52, 50, basically 53% from three. And Tech committed only four turnovers. It's kind of that, you know, and they got out rebound by 18. Like, I think you run that game again and Tech commits four turnovers and they rebound the ball just a little bit better. I don't think Duke shoots 53% from three and this game's closer. So I could see these two teams playing again. And it being competitive. The problem for Tech is the ACC is just so mid right now that they really need to have a really strong record. And that starts by getting the win against Miami and splitting with them. And then, you know, I think, you know, basically the only game, like winning out is probably what you're going to have to do. I mean, close to it to have a real shot at the tournament. So, you know, your only game where you probably are have no, I don't want to say no shot, is at North Carolina. But looking at the stretch here at Miami, at Notre Dame, for, at home against Florida State, those are all games that, you know, Tech can win. And then home against Virginia, you should win. At Pitt, at Syracuse, home against Wake. I mean, at Louisville is a win. Now, that's a guaranteed win. 
and then home against Notre Dame. I mean, the rest of this schedule is it's backloaded in terms of the easier part of the ACC, or at least the middle part of the ACC, where, you know, Tech probably needs to have a sizable winning record, meaning maybe only lose two games down the stretch to have a real shot at making the tournament. Right now they're 5-5 five and five in the ACC. 12-4 and four in the ACC. I, I still think it, it, you're probably on the right side considering that Iowa State win continues to look very good, as does the Boise State. But you do want to have something on which you can hang your hat. And, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head, Trey. Because they're not showing up on the bubble right now. Yeah, they were on the outside looking in uh, last night, according to Joe Lenardi of ESPN. But Virginia was nowhere to be found. Meanwhile, the Jerry Palm version had Virginia barely on the outside looking in and Virginia Tech nowhere to be found. So right now, both of those programs are in that spot. But realistically, there's not a lot in the ACC that they get your juices flowing. Tech already played Clemson. They don't get them again. That would be a good performance so far. Uh, it would be a good, to, good game to have. They just lost at home to Duke. Really, there are only two games on the schedule where you go, oh, this could do something for us. Because they also already played at Wake Forest. And Wake's a bubble team. NC State right now, I think, fits that description. That loss at Syracuse getting blown out the other day over the weekend is not a good look for Kevin Keats and NC State. North Carolina's away. I mean, if you win that, that that's as much. I'm not going to say it punches your ticket to the big dance, but it does firm up a good but not spectacular resume. But the one that jumps out to me, Trey, is the game against Virginia. It's at home. Virginia's beatable. And the, the Cavaliers are a team that's also kind of flirting with the bubble. And I think most people expect UVA's also a similar program that they're rounding into form playing better basketball right now. And there's a chance to at least make some kind of gain. Now, you're a couple of weeks off from that, but that's the other matchup. And it's the realistic part of this. But Mike Young, I mean, he didn't just say Duke was a better team. He doubled down on it last night. They had eight at the half. Uh, that's that's really good. Duke uh, will get into you. Uh, just didn't shoot it nearly as well in the second half. What was it, fellas? A six-point game. Roach hit that shot at the buzzer yeah. uh, to take it three to six, which was a big momentum swing. And we had, uh, you know, we had the ball coming out of the half. Uh, we mishandled some things. Uh, go back and look at it. wasn't from a lack of effort. wasn't anything other than, you know, again, uh, the Duke Blue Devils came to Blacksburg. Play a little bit better than our team did, and they uh, they get out of here with a with a win. Mike Young speaking on the Virginia Tech Radio Network post game show last night, and I correct myself by the way. Wake Forest is back on the schedule again. They are the third to last game of the season. You might say they're the second to last because yeah, I don't know I if anybody that. counts. Well, I mean, I don't know if anybody counts. Louisville. I know you don't listen to me. It's okay. Ed. No, I, I do. Trey, it just kind of you know, at a brain fart moment there. It's all good. It you know, happens. We all do. But everything else is navigable on the schedule outside of North Carolina on the road. Everything else is a game where you know Florida State's at home, Virginia's at home, and Wake Forest is at home. And your road schedule is really not that challenging. Everybody has been proven that they can be beatable, even Miami, where Virginia Tech goes this weekend. But that's where you are if you're Virginia Tech. I mean, right now, 12-8 and eight in a mediocre ACC, but a resume that the metrics like may be good enough. If nothing else, it positions you in the ACC tournament to have a chance. But th- there is still clear work to be done. And, Trey, your biggest hitting of the nail on the head was the reality that this is not a strong conference this year, and that puts the ACC in a rather compromised position. You don't need to be in a compromised position when it comes to your insurance because you can rest assured you have the best insurance when you visit Gardner Insurance Solutions. Old Forest Road in Lynchburg, 
They shop my policy. I recommend the same for you. Gardner Insurance Solutions will make sure you have the best policy. It may not be the cheapest, but it's the most comprehensive one to give you peace of mind for whatever might arise with your home, with your auto, or with the combination Gardner Insurance Solutions. Now, there are other topics we get to address before, yes, a little bit more poking fun at Louisville and what he said and what he meant. That, after right now, the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. Trey, are you excited? Not just for the fact that NASCAR returns this weekend with the clash at the Coliseum, the exhibition race that I think NASCAR, frankly, should have moved to other locations. But hey, it's worked out well the last couple of years for NASCAR and has given them full speed going into the season. More on that momentarily. Uh, But NASCAR goes back to the clash of the Coliseum this coming weekend. It generates some excitement and it is a launch point, especially with getting entertainers involved. Now, you mentioned the full speed comment. The pun, of course, was completely intended because the mainstream appeal of full speed can get kicked up even further with the release today of Full Speed, the Netflix series. It's a four-part series that will showcase NASCAR's drivers during the chase for the championship last year, the 2023 version. Trey, I obviously have not seen it. I don't know if you got started watching it on any of your breaks earlier today. Breaks? You act like I don't work. Uh, No, I haven't yet. I was saving it for when I go home tonight. Because I don't like... If I'm watching, I typically listen to things when I'm working here, so I don't focus on it. So I'm I'm not necessarily, you know, so I, uh, you know, 100%, I, I, I want to have my full focus on it if I'm going to watch it. Trey, totally get it. You and me both. We like to uh, we like to keep our focus on what's going on at the Virginia Talk Radio Network. Um, trying to, first of again, all, shot, you're trying today, man. You're trying to get these shots in on no, me. No, no. I, I said, I'm putting I, the shield I like, up. I said, I like you like to try to keep my focus i'm complimenting you you know we're doing the same thing here buddy so anyway um first of all are you a binge watcher or are you the type of guy that watches oh i will watch it all at once okay so you're gonna watch like the whole thing if the episode if it's like that yeah okay it's just easier that way well for you of course Uh, meanwhile i've got kids two five-year-old boys there ain't no binge watching in my household we'll start it tonight we'll finish it like a month from now but i am curious how the nascar documentary full speed the, the docuseries is going to compare to the one they did for the 2022 playoffs that aired on USA Network. I saw some of that. You know what? It's not going to be as good because unless I'm in it because I was in the, the 2022 one. Trey, My face I, was. Yeah, I mean, that's that's all that really mattered for that particular documentary. From an entertainment value standpoint, I am interested in doing comparing and contrasting. And maybe in a week or two, we can do that uh, with Trey. In the meantime, on to number four. Speaking of entertainment, it is always entertaining to see where entertainment venues might be going next. And there is a theory that has been put out there. According to multiple sources inside the Washington City Hall that have been quoted by Wes Anderson and Brett McCormick of Sports Business Journal. Should Monumental Sports, which owns the Wizards and Capitals, elect to take those teams to Virginia, the D.C. City Council's priority would shift to the Washington Commanders coming back into the district. Here's my thing. I kind of wonder whether or not there have been unfavorable terms offered to the Wizards and Capitals to stay in D.C. because... 
they would rather have the Washington Commanders now that there is new ownership in the greater Washington, D.C. area. I don't pretend to be an expert like Candy Waller of Bowie TV and Seawall Sports and Entertainment or Lake Lewis of SportsJourney.com and ABC TV in D.C. That is not quite my level of expertise, but you know, if you're asking me which franchise has been most noted with a city as far as the Washington fan base franchise, I get the Nationals have certainly built up their resume and the Capitals have had their patches of success, but the history is still on the side of the Washington Commanders, even in spite of the fact that they've gone through like a 25-year malaise, a quarter century of absolutely hideous ownership. Speaking of the Commanders and looking bad, but maybe not as bad. Number three. Ben Johnson spurning the Washington Commanders and Seattle Seahawks, where he may not have been as strong a candidate to be their new head coach. To stay in Detroit as the Lions offensive coordinator and as of right now, letting the two years remaining on his contract play out. Um, it's a bad look for the commanders. They're left scrambling. Everybody thought that Ben Johnson was the prohibitive favorite. He had gone to a minus 700 odds, which means, in parlance, to win se- to win seven bucks, excuse me, if you wanted to win just one dollar. You would have had to risk $7. May not seem a lot for you, but you fraction that out over a large amount. If you wanted to win $100, you have to risk $700. That is a real challenge. Everybody thought Ben Johnson was going to the Commanders, yet he elects to stay put as the Detroit Lions offensive coordinator. If there's one thing between this and Raheem Morris going to Atlanta as opposed to Bill Belichick, And some of the other changes. Jim Harbaugh went to the Chargers. Everyone expected that, along with Antonio Pierce and Gerard Mayo to the Raiders and Patriots, uh, respectively. But out of these other hires, what you expect may not be the same in part because the NFL is forced upon these oftentimes uh, quick-to-act owners a more thorough process. Oftentimes, you get second-guessing challenges and negotiations and people that might normally go into a shotgun marriage it's not exactly unfolded that way and therefore it has become much more thorough albeit with much more difficult predictability number two so the report came out a couple of weeks ago that the ohio state buckeyes spent 13 million dollars in counting in name image and likeness money this past offseason in an effort to field an elite roster. This according to Gridiron Heroics, whoever the heck they are. Um, It was the figure Ryan Day said in June of 2022, almost two years ago, that it would take to keep the Buckeyes competitive in the NIL environment. Um, I kind of gather that number maybe a little bit high, but it's obvious they're playing the NIL game, which is where you get to something that leads us into... And number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. The humor of this theory... That today, Tennessee became the latest school to face multiple level one and level two violations as the chancellor fired back at the NCAA in their handling of this NIL investigation that Tennessee is alleged to have been involved in, most notably Nico Amaleva, the quarterback from California that was allegedly shopped around the multiple schools and ended up going to be a vol for life or the life of the contract, if that's what you want to call it. But you factor that in, with Florida being investigated for what transpired with Jaden Rashada, who was committed to Florida, then to Miami, then back to Florida, then the deal fell through, and then he ended up going to Arizona State. Not to mention that Florida State, an offensive line coach and co-offensive coordinator, Alex Atkins, getting a three-game ban this season for allegedly tampering with Georgia offensive lineman Amarius Mims, not to mention that maybe Georgia has done that themselves, the humor of this, 
It's the reality that the NCAA couldn't grasp this situation, and once again, they're playing in a reactionary spot, trying to catch up to everything. They're going after certain programs, yes, and yes, tampering is taking place, but the ability to actually enforce this on a broader level, that's the one where it is just extremely humorous, and the fact that you're targeting Tennessee, you targeted Florida, and you targeted uh, Florida State, I'm not absolving any of those programs. Every indication is that they're involved in this type of behavior. It's just humorous that, yes, every indication is they are involved in this type of behavior, but they're clearly not the only ones. And there is your Fast Five at five And by clearly not the only ones, you obviously have other instances that are out there of, I don't know, Miami having conveniently gotten guys off of West Virginia's roster, obviously USC and how they allegedly obtained Jordan Addison and other theories that have been thrown out there. Tampering is going on everywhere. And again, it's the lack of rules that's creating the environment that goes back to the NCAA and the misguided efforts that they have. We will shift our efforts, not to UVA basketball. That's going to be after our next guest, Ben Cates, newsadvance.com, talking local sports when we return. This is the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.